Wait, is it season two? This is season two. It's the longest season two of any podcast ever. Well, no, we've not had season... This is season two. We've not started season two yet. This is the longest... It's already the longest season two of any podcast (laughs) that has ever existed. Well, I mean, that is a fair point, actually. I'd be amazed if... Any other podcasts we're working in seasons? Actually, I'm I'm sure there are many of them out no, there. No, there's loads. There's loads that do. Um, this is a complete lie, but also it's the truth until somebody refutes exactly. it. Exactly, and with our listenership, I doubt that any of them would dare. <laughs> Don't you dare! This, of course, is Cease Parade episode. 200! Woo! Whoa, we're dropping the numbers, Colin. Get them out of here. No, but like we had to start here somewhere. Get them out of here. They don't want numbers. What if we delete an episode? <laughs> well, no, they're they're out there. They're in the ether. They're on the they're in on the SoundCloud forever. They're on the SoundCloud. We need to move off SoundCloud before it dies. Well, what what else is where else is there? Well, we'll figure it out in three years. And when you say we're ditching the numbers. Then what? No, no what? No, we're not. It's just a perpetual joke. Welcome. To, we'll just give it a title. No, but then I, are we meant to, to keep track? COVID, COVID episode number four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose we could do it like that up until, you know, three or four years have passed and we're still calling ourselves we really, COVID, COVID episode 84. We really should have just started naming them after like whatever week of Trump's presidency we were in. Must be approaching. He was, he's been around since we started, really. Oh, he was, he's been around. Well, we were we were at least eighteen months into our season. Oh, whilst he became the president. <laughs> yeah, it was a long process him him getting that old president presidency. I can't quite believe that we're here. Let's let's put some perspective on this. This is <laughs> April twenty twenty. I think we started this in twenty fifteen. Yeah, it sounds about right. It's about forty episodes a year. It sounds about right. Let's call it that. Yeah. Yeah. Which which sounds much less impressive now that I see out loud. Anyway, you said we can't believe we're here, but then you, you listed two things that are very believable. The thing is, our consistency, particularly this year, has been much higher. We did say, or I did say... We're off to a good start. ...that episode 200 was going to be in April, and here we are at the start of April. Kind of. Called it. Called it. Called it. Actually, I, I'm, I'm confident we're yet to miss a week of this year. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Oh, As a first, <laughs> a seesaw parade first in season two. Whoa. Of this. Yes, no, so far season two is the most consistent <laughs> season. It's been well received by critics. You could say that. Yeah, well, yes. No critics have said bad things about season two. What What is going to change, James? What's really going to change with Seesaw Parade now that we enter our, our, our second season? Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had plans, ideas, promises. Well, well there's, there's, there's only going to be really. In, in terms of what people will hear at the start, it will be a more familiar jingle from week to week. As Going a, back to the old days. As, as opposed to something that you and I just smash out in the space of five or six minutes yeah. every week without any sort of link or, or theme or anything. We're mixing the two. We're mi- because we used to have that one song. One dun, 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 and then we were like, let's make our own music. And they were like, yep, let's make our own consistent music has taken us two seasons to get to that point but better late than never who knows what the next development is find out in two years <laughs> well, three even two and a half by the, by the time we hit uh, episode 300 i'm predicting that will be s- autumn 2022 all right by which point i will have <laughs> no i'm predicting the future <laughs> a beard 
I've, I've got one. I've got one right now. Uh-huh. Have you not seen this? No. Right. Oh, man. Right. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to post yes, I know attach you... it. Attach it. Attach as an image in the podcast description. I know I posted a, a picture of my foot on the Seesaw Parade Twitter the other day, which uh, Shanana was complaining I should have pinned to the top of our Twitter profile. I disagree. No, no, no. The complaint there is that you should have marked it not safe for life. <laughs> I really am keen to avoid us being a foot fetish Twitter page because I would have seen, you know, people would have been flocking for that image if they re- if they realised it was there. Some people do like feet in, in in very attached ways. My radiator did. It enjoyed it a lot. I also like my feet to be attached, but, you know. <laughs> but actually, actually, Luna on the Trains has the coveted pinned space in the Twitter. The peanut, the pinache. So, uh, t- t- the what? <laughs> pinache. Yes, that. Uh, so that the foot will have to be, uh, have remain hidden in our Twitter replies. It's going to be uh, a footnote. There, there was a, a point to this. In fact, it was because I was going to suggest I post a picture of my quarantine beard, but... Your quarantine beard. Quarantine beard. Lock beard. Lock stash? Uh, it, it's, it's more of... Lock tash? Yeah, it's a mix of the two. Lock facial. <laughs> no, no. We don't say that one. It's always as bad as Pinesh. So that that's the thing. I'm I'm quite pleased with it. It has been almost three weeks since I shaved. My boss clearly thinks it looks ridiculous, but it's fine because you know what's he gonna do? Um, what do bosses know? Well, it's it's because for our work, I'm meant to be clean shaven because it looks better. Oh yeah, but. You know, now I'm in lockdown. I don't have to... We're not doing any client stuff. We're doing it over Zoom and, you know, they can barely see it. You can't see anyway. Yeah. Do you Do you wear a mask? Well, no, it's just... You get a mask for the, for the Zoom meetings just to show how diligent you are I mean, in I, keeping a clean environment. There is one thing I'm doing, which is wearing the same shirt every single time I have a Zoom call. I've worn the same shirt every time I've had a call hmm. for the last three weeks. But it's a good thing hmm. you're unable to smell people through laptops. Why? Why don't you change the shirt? Because that's that requires effort, James, and there is no need for a washing a shirt and ironing a shirt and putting on a new shirt for what an hour or a ninety minute Zoom call. Yeah, some some people say that having routines keeps you sane in a lockdown. The thing is, James, I have had a routine. Also, welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> this is Seas uh, Operate episode two hundred. Colin here. Longest season two to have ever existed in podcast, the podcast Absolutely. Universe, the podcast expanded universe. Still your least still podcast, your new favourite podcast, and with the, as James says, new tagline of the only podcast with the longest running season two, maybe ever. And also still the longest running season one ever, but it's no longer running. Uh, that, unless we reboot that it. That's true. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that in, in 15 years. Season three is going to be season one rebooted. Uh, I'm Colin and he is still James. Yeah, still Jim. I was kind of hoping that season two we'd have like a massive character shift and you'd be called Jim or Jimbo or, or there'd be some sort of radical shift. Oh, we'll add some nicknames to make the podcast cooler. Have some sort of Westworld-esque ending to your season and suddenly you've had a total reboot of the show and now you're apparently cleverer and easier to follow and very good. Apparently Westworld season three is getting really good reviews, by the way. Oh, Wow. I would like to be both cleverer and easier to follow. That would be great as a person who talks into a microphone sometimes. There was a there was a point again. I keep like distracting myself. I know what it was. Routine. Sorry. <laughs> season two. Season two of the podcast is good. The new feel is confusion. <laughs> Off to a blinder. Just before we actually get into the show, routine. 
Absolutely. I agree is is very, very important. So I have had a routine, which is, and stay with me on this one. I'm going to start in the evening. Right. After I have my dinner, mm-hmm. I will go onto my PS4 and I'll join up with my bros, my actual bros, on Call of Duty Warzone, which is a free-to-play game, which I'm going to review later because it's the first game I've played in years. Mm. And we play that till uh, maybe half past midnight, quarter to one. By the time I get to bed, mm-hmm. it's after one, and then I get woken up by the sound of my flatmate Paul leaving the flat to go to his work. So he is actually my alarm his clock. Essential, his essential work. His es- yeah, his, his essential work. And then... Yes, he is an essential worker. I go through to my kitchen and I do actual work on my laptop for the next some cases in this week 10 hours 11 hours which is a lot of hours there way more than i would usually do in a normal week which is totally upside down and back to front but it's fine it's lockdown you gotta do what you gotta do and then i will do some exercise have a shower and then it's evening have my dinner play ps4 and the whole cycle repeats and i've been doing that for literally two and a half weeks now yeah yeah right here's here's the mistake the, the part like when people say you need a routine to stay sane, what they mean is like you need a, an exciting routine or a very <laughs> no. Well, routine hold on, hold on. Where like not every day just feels like the same as the day that happened just a minute so ago. So last week I mentioned that because days happen in minutes. Yeah. So I mentioned last week that there was a couple of times I was unaware what day it was. So the only ways yeah. I'm keeping things interesting are number one, I have had some absolutely bizarre dreams the last week like honestly every single day the last week that's not a conscious choice though that's not a conscious choice you can't be like I'm keeping my routine varied because I've been having interesting dreams hold on hold on but that is there must be some sort of correlation going on here and then every day or every second day I will walk to Tesco or walk to co-op and I'll buy something interesting by something non-essential. Yeah. You gotta live you gotta live a bit of risk to keep things well, going. Exactly. That's no. how you get through a lockdown with risk. I'm, I'm waiting for the security guard or the, the cops to, you know, stop me and say Just bash to bash the basket out of your hand and be like, What are these croissants? Cinnamon whirls are not <laughs> essential items. A squashy Easter egg is not essential. Go home. Who takes unpackaged bread anyway? <laughs> So I'm doing that. I'm I am getting that thrill of doing something illegal, of walking to the <laughs> shop and being like, you know what I'm gonna buy today? I'm gonna buy an onion. And also I'm gonna buy a, a bag of discounted donuts which go out of date today, and that's all I'm gonna leave the shop with. That's great. Yeah, it's a, that was an essential trip for sure. <laughs> that would get past the roadblock. Right, James, before we actually talk, how are you getting on? How's the routine? How's life? Sorry. Uh, we have a bonus flatmate now. My my brother's girlfriend moved in temporarily, oh, has she? right in the middle of lockdown, because her own uh, household was not being so wise and abiding by lockdown rules. Oh. Boris, don't listen to me. Don't go get them. I'm not a snitch. <laughs> Where do they live? Uh, <laughs> here's their full address. Um, no, so we've got a new a new a new flatmate but i'm keeping my several rooms to myself is she, and it's great is she staying in the one room at all times i don't know i don't know but yeah kind of everyone's kind of in their own rooms and does she have a room or is she in with your brother no no so she's got the sitting room now which means that i have been once again removed from my oh, my. my netflix haven my massive comfy couch yeah. and my snack options I know if I want to watch shows, I have to sit where I work and feel disgusting. You, yeah, you were deposed by a, what, a green screen or an editing? Yeah, a green screen for like 
four months. And yeah. I, I had me a, a couple of months of, of couch glory with my feet up on tables and all stuff. And now I'm back in the office oh. where I belong. Okay. Well, this is like a massive long intro. What have we done? It's season two, man. This is this is it. This is the new this the new us. This is hour long bumper episode. One <laughs> hour of an intro, and then we just are gonna finish, and it's over. Yeah, last week's show as well. I don't know if you noticed. I actually somehow managed to scrape us underneath the hour mark. I think I. Oh, that was a yeah. I think I deleted a lot of both of us just doing this but you know season two just gonna keep it in who cares about times anyway no it like having shorter episodes doesn't make anybody listen anyway season two keep it in keep it in absolutely so anyway let's uh thank you all very much for for getting in touch and thank you all for listening as well seesaw parade is only seesaw parade because of you who are listening in your lockdown states definitely absolutely especially you greg yeah and Alan. Yeah. Thank you for getting in touch. Shanana BT, uh, who, first of all, told us to pin a picture of my deranged foot to our Twitter, also said, you can still buy powdered toothpaste. It's actually really popular in your local organic slash Whole Foods slash hippie shop. Oh, nice. Dare you to use it exclusively for two weeks and podcast about it. Oh, man, that's a good dare. That's, a, uh, that's an excellent dare. I can dare. get some shipped in. Or slash shipped in means dropped on my front doorstep and that's it. And then get rained on. That's what all my packages are getting done to lately. It's just rained on. And also Izzy, who we will have an audio review from later. <gasps> Thank you, Izzy. It's been a while. No, no, We don't get any much of them audio reviews. She uh, actually sent a message to you saying, speaking of Doctor Who, I should say to James <laughs> that older episodes of Doctor Who, a la Eccleston, Tennant, Smith and Cavaldi, are all on Netflix right now. So yeah, yeah. If, if you want to go and watch that to your heart's content, James, you can. Oh, no. Well, I, I, not, not on the couch, I can't. Um, but Eccleston's got my heart forever. That was a quality season. We're going to kick off with coronavirus chat. That has been in the news a lot. It has. And we're going to pick some of the biggest headlines over the last week. Starting with Dr. Catherine Calderwood. Now, ah, this was Dr. Catherine. Scotland's former chief medical officer who resigned after making, it emerged, two trips to her second home during the coronavirus lockdown. So despite the weeks and the daily press briefings that she and the First Minister were doing, telling people to stay at home, stay at home, stay and at also home, stay, stay at home. Your primary residence. Only go outside if you're buying things that aren't onions or, and bags of donuts. Don't go to your holiday homes. Don't travel. Stay at home, everybody. For yeah. the good of the nation. It then emerged that she had, uh, she was snapped, she was photographed in Fife with her family, and then she said, actually, I was here last weekend as well. There was some to and froing. There was a very excruciatingly painful press conference by the first minister. I believe mm-hmm, on Sunday mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with uh, Doctor Calderwood. She was, she was raging. She was Sturgeon was asking, or rather, was answering a lot of the questions which were being asked of the CMO, which was kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. And then after uh, Sturgeon being very firm and saying, "Nope, she is going to stay where she is. We need her advice. She made a mistake, but we need her, and she's important." Uh, 
she then decided to quit anyway. To quit anyway. So, she, couldn't, she couldn't hack being bad. She had to be extra bad by quitting anyway. James, what does this say that the voice of... She was on NHS adverts and, and everything. Know, telling people to, to stay at home. If she's the one who's going to her second home twice in two weekends and the rest of us have to stay in our only home yeah. all the time. Which our only homes, which rarely have a garden of equal size to these people's homes and such things. It's just another reminder that the rules that they say on the telly and through the mailbox are for us. They're for us plebs. We have to abide by the rules. But if you're not a pleb, if you are someone with a reasonable amount of power and or money, you probably don't. The only time you'll have to abide by the rules is if you get caught um, breaking them. Because this has happened elsewhere too. Like the health minister in New Zealand did the same thing. He went to the beach, yep. Yeah. yeah uh, didn't get fired either, but did get demoted severely. Um, which I, I do agree with. If you're in the middle of a crisis, you don't want to be actually removing anybody from the from the pole. Yeah. And trying to replace them in the power structure. Um, so I do agree with like holding back on that until we're through it. But yeah, this is something that's pretty common across the board apparently is we're getting told by the people who are leading us not to do stuff and then they go and do it themselves anyway. I honestly am unable to figure out what on earth she was thinking at the time because it's... Surely she would be aware. She would know full well that what she was doing was wrong. There's no way you don't think... Wait, hold on. And, and she did it anyway. Twice. I don't. I honestly cannot cannot comprehend how anyone could come to that conclusion and say, you know what, this is fine, and I yeah. absolutely will not get caught. Yeah, and this was even worse after we were all raging at El Prince for doing the same thing. Well, of course, heading up north. So the difference is for me, and I understand people were very annoyed at Prince Charles for essentially doing the same thing, although he was infected already, already showing signs. Yes, yeah, so even worse. Yeah, and then and then he travelled. He's Prince Charles. He's essentially an unelected nugget who does absolutely yeah, he's nothing. A, he's a nobody, yeah. Whereas this is the chief medical officer for the whole country. Yeah. So I'm not saying, hey, look, someone even more significant did it, so learn your lessons. I'm saying, hey, look, someone less significant than you made the same mistake and got railed. So you should probably not do this. But no, they, she did, and you know. Linked to all of this, of course, is the ongoing lockdown that we're all experiencing at the moment. By the time many of you hear this, we will be in, uh, or will have had, three full weeks of lockdown. It's a massive holiday. Which, uh, well, speak for yourself. Which Don't go sunbathing in the parks. Has been You plebeians, you poor people that don't have back gardens, don't go sunbathing. The discussion at the moment is that it's going to be extended by another mm-hmm. three weeks. So Inevitably, yeah. Ireland have already done this. Yeah. Wales have already done this, and I'm sure will, I believe they're only for another 10 days, yeah. but then they'll, they'll come back to that. And Nicola Sturgeon will announce it two hours before the UK does. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll announce it two hours after we publish this episode, of course. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. I fully yeah. expect the lockdown will continue until May, at least. It might, yeah, it might go further. We might be in like some sort of middling lockdown through summer. Do you believe that people are starting to, to grow restless? This is the Easter weekend, after all. I don't think there's been an increase in, like, rule-breaking and restlessness. I think people are doing it for different reasons now. When it was kicking off, people didn't take it seriously because it didn't feel big. Uh, and now it's a different group. They're, they're 
people are people are trying to disobey a bit more and a bit more because they are getting a bit cooped up. And it is. It's actually for most people it will be very hard, and especially for the um, poorer people in society, super hard to lock down because you're in a tiny wee place usually, with no kind of back garden to go and sit in to get some sunshine, with no kind of options. So it makes sense that people are getting a bit riled up, a bit cooped up, and wanting to head out and you know yep. sunbathe or walk a dog twice instead of once. Uh, but I don't think it's surprising uh, either at the start or the beginning that there that there is just a general lack of lockdown in some places. Do you, uh, the, the, the scientists and the governments of the world basically are saying it's too early to decide if the lockdown, or too early to say if the lockdown is actually making a difference. There are certainly are, there, well, there certainly are a number of countries where cases are dropping. Mm-hmm. Deaths are still high, but the in- amount of cases is certainly dropping. But I, I, do, I do agree that if they lifted the lockdown on Monday, then we would see a spike. That, to me, seems... We would do. We just go back to normal. This is statistics, yeah, right? I get that. Anyone who's saying, like, it's we can't make a clear judgment based off the numbers is probably just saying that because we can't make a clear judgment based off the actual numbers that are happening but like probabilities and statistics are just super valuable when it comes to things that are global like this you can run simulations and look at the worst possible result look at the best possible result and um, in real life you're not going to get anything out with that kind of gap you're usually going to get something in between and using those stats we can make a we can make pretty good claims that a well done lockdown will keep the curve very flattened and will even help some people never catch um a disease whereas not having lockdowns are far more likely to lead to 100% of a population eventually getting a thing so you know it's a bit dumb to be saying that we can't make any claims about it you can one of the only reasons you're allowed out of course is for essential shopping now, yeah. there have been a spate of apologies from police forces <laughs> in England over the last 24 yeah. hours because yeah. of some over-eager officers and over-eager chief constables who... This is what happens, yeah. Right, so just to update you, there have been now four different police forces who've had to apologise or backtrack <laughs> on things they've said. For example, the south yorkshire police who suggested they were going to set up roadblocks and search people's <laughs> shopping to see if they were buying non-essential items there was also the chief constable who said well he then apologized and said his remarks were clumsy northamptonshire police who tweeted a picture of a car outside a supermarket one of their cars and then saying our officers are checking the non-essential aisles good to see they were empty and checking the non-essential aisles and now, uh, now of course Downing Street have come out and said basically you can buy whatever you like in the shops if they are open yeah. if the shop is open buy stuff just go there that's that's that was the rule the rule isn't that we're supposed to like we've been making we've been making this joke a couple of times now but the rule isn't that we're supposed to be trying to choose what's essential and what isn't it's if the shop is open it has been deemed essential enough that you can go and shop there exactly so like i've noticed people are complaining about the fact that shops like the range are open that's like a a household thing Uh, it sells pet supplies and it sells garden supplies it's like well no pet supplies got deemed necessary even if it only sold pet supplies and like kit kats you could go and buy all the kit kats (laughs) the shop is open I, i do believe it's just a few 
eager police officers who've overstepped the it's, mark as opposed to anything yeah. which is actually going to change. It's, it's what to expect from any police force. Police forces attract certain kinds of people to work for them. Some over eager to, you know, use the powers they get. And therefore, in any circumstance, there are going to be some police who are using their powers that they have and are using it a bit too much. Let's talk about Boris. At this point in time, the Prime Minister of the UK is still in hospital in London. He was admitted on Sunday night and... 9pm. I believe on Tuesday and Wednesday, he was moved to intensive care. Yeah, but not not on a ventilator. Yeah, so it was, it was very... It was stressed that he was not on a ventilator. The more, Definitely not on a and ventilator. And the more they said it, it made it sound like he was. However... The more they said anything, the worse it sounded. Towards the end of their, their stint, I was believing he was actually dead because of how positive all their messages were. The fact that he was in intensive care shows he was in a pretty rough state. As of today, Friday, he is still in hospital, but apparently is uh, standing up, is walking around, and is being Boris. Yeah, yeah, but he's still not out of the woods. This has been a reported pattern of the of the illness in several places. People of his age and general health have shown this like yeah peaks and troughs kind of situation. So he could still go right back into intensive care. Like we've we're not out of the woods yet in terms of having a leader. The the thing that strikes me is the fact that a lot of Boris's quotes, in the same way that Trump is now hastily making a, a backtrack or backpedaling over things he said, there is a clip going around the internet in which Boris talks about, at a press conference, how many hands of people with coronavirus he was shaking. Yeah, proudly talking about how many hands he was shaking. And now, of course, the guy he got coronavirus. So, of course, this is just going to look... He looks ridiculous now that he said that and now that he is in hospital Mm -hmm. well hopefully it's lessons learned well of course you wish him well and you wish uh, that he would get better but james this is a good point at which to talk about the clapping which has been happening across the uk i'm going to start with the clap for boris yeah which certainly in my part of glasgow was totally silent i didn't hear a clap however i don't think i don't think i know anyone who clapped there were people on facebook including in some of the circles that we have friends in who were posting uh, who were posting about their disappointment that they were the only people on their streets who were clapping for <laughs> Boris and why why can't we all just clap for Boris why can't we all why can't we all just give him this token gesture that is meaningless yep so <laughs> well like okay so let's go through the logic here i i clap sometimes in my life Usually okay. when I clap, it is because I am saying, you've done a good job, somebody else. Yeah. The, somebody else being the recipient of my clap. <laughs> let's, let's call it that. You give them the clap. That doesn't sound like a disease. That isn't literally a disease. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it means you're doing a good job, not, hey, you haven't died yet. Um, Boris has not been doing a good job with the whole coronavirus situation. Since day one, he's not been doing a good job. Even all the measures that we've been complimenting and stuff since then with like money for businesses and money for workers that are going out of work, they're being poorly done. There's not really any sort of good element of of the response to 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 bring up and say hey well done i'm gonna clap for that so to say clap for boris because he's done a what a bad job just because he got got doesn't mean that it undoes all the bad we should be holding him accountable even if he's sick so i didn't clap for boris neither did i this started 
coming up to oh, three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, where they had the first clap for our NHS. And yeah, yeah, yeah. people up and down the country were clapping and making noises and pots and pans and blaring it's very horns. Yeah. Very British, very British to be clapping mm-hmm, for mm-hmm, our mm-hmm. NHS. Complete token gesture. Yeah. But, you know, seeing that all online, I'm sure, helped some people who had a really bad day at work get through the day. So this is the thing. I can absolutely see why people would welcome this. And I'm 100% understand why it would generate that reaction or that emotional reaction for people who Mm -hmm. are going through Mm -hmm. some unimaginable horrors at this point in time. However, when we start to do it as a routine, for example, last night, I went for a run. It just so happened to be that I left the flat at 7.58. Oh, you went at clap time. And as it was running, suddenly the flats around me just started going, woo, yeah. I was like, yes, I'm I'm running the Glasgow Marathon. You're a fantastic runner. So now that it's become like a thing we do, it's lessening the impact every single time. It will. If, you, yeah. if it was like a one and done, absolutely great. But because we're now doing it every single Thursday, yeah. when do we stop? When do we stop clapping for the NHS? The NHS will continue to do amazing work long after coronavirus is done. So are we just going to, is this now a thing <laughs> on Thursdays, eight o'clock? We're all just going to clap when, for yeah. a minute? When when no more doctors are stressed is when we can stop clapping. <laughs> once, yeah, once coronavirus <laughs> is gone and all the regular average routine Joe diseases return, then we stop clapping because ah, everyone's just back to normal now. But this is the big thing. All these people are clapping. I reckon lots of people are clapping because they feel this immense guilt. They maybe don't know it, but they feel this immense guilt that they have been voting for parties who try to dismantle the NHS and make it cheaper and make it more efficient and make it whatever, whatever, whatever. So they give this like token clap. Ah, I feel kind of bad. Ah, I'm going to clap to make you feel good and then I can feel good. But then they'll go back to voting for the parties that kind of make the NHS almost impossible to exist. The fact that it's now routine, it's, a, it's something we do. I'm sure there will be a clap next Thursday. Yeah, and how, what's the new thing? The new thing is like money. We're clapping to raise money. I don't know. Like a, a clap is worth a fiver or something. It's like five five million for the NHS. We're trying to we turn the NHS into a charity so that the poor people can donate five pounds instead of just however much we've been taxed already. My question, James, is where's where's the three hundred and fifty million pounds a week that this bus was saying we we're going to get? Eh? Exactly right. We're looking at hey, let's all raise. I think it's five hundred million. Five million? Is it just five million? Who cares? It's a small amount. We're asking a bunch of people who are out of work right now, who already don't have enough money to, 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 to send a fiver each. There's countless, like, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy individuals who could, who could afford to give that and more. Yeah. Why aren't we looking at them? And we're looking, and then when we see the government is calling out the footballers for not giving enough. Yeah. When they don't call out the people who own the football clubs. Yeah. <laughs> Come on! So th- this was this was actually it was Wayne Rooney who wrote a very well written article in uh, one of the local local one of the daily papers. Uh, it may well have been the Telegraph. And I was reading this and thinking, wow, this is a really well written, really well argued point. And then I saw it was written by Wayne Rooney. So like, what? Yeah. What's happened? Yeah. When he's when he's not angry, he apparently has brains. In 2020, we are now having well formed out arguments written yeah. by Wayne Rooney. Yeah, and like. As disgusting as the wages of football players are, well, well, look, it's all because of the infrastructure. It's because of the club owners. It's because of the uh, the, the people up top. It's not the footballers' fault. They're getting paid unfairly. Credit. Yeah, well, Rooney said he said, "Look, I am more than happy to be giving thirty percent of my wages to the NHS, but why yeah. are football players out of everybody being targeted when actually there are?" 
bankers and the people who own the banks and the people who own the football clubs who are worth yeah. billions. Why are they not being asked to the do the same who thing? Own massive businesses that are now taking a huge chunk of our money just to keep their business afloat when they could easily just like sell off some assets as w- and keep their own business afloat. <laughs> as well as the other Rooney made a point, as well as the other football players who are unable to give thirty percent of their wages because so, yeah. actually they've got big families or they've got other commitments and they can't afford that. Oh, yeah, or they already did give it all away to charity. Some of them actually do that. And, and and then we, we 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 just don't look at the right people and it's become this thing. Like all the big businesses are all the big businessmen and businesswomen are just hiding their heads to try and not get any kind of um blame for not giving enough and trying to point their fingers at like Everybody else, all the working class, because like footballers, technically working class, very rich ones, but come on, they actually do the work. Ah, uh, it really bothers me. <laughs> like, and it's it's all so simple. There's all of these wealthy folks, and they they've been saying all along that they need to be making all this money because they've taken on the risk of owning the business. Like, but they need to be getting ninety percent of the profit of the business because they invested and they own the risk. Well, here's the risk. It's, it's, it's turned out bad this time. So if you've got all the risk, you should be giving back 90%. That's how risk works. It's not just risk, so I get the good things when it's good and then give all the bad things back to you anyway. Like, come on, it's just, it's unreal. Twenty-four million people watched the Queen on Sunday night, James. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot to watch that. As she uh, <laughs> she gave a rare speech ah. to G up the country, to invigorate people as they continue to battle boredom ah, yes. and staying inside. She should have like played some games on stream. So the, the monarch thanked everybody for following the rules, for staying at home, and praised those coming together to help others. Mm -hmm. Uh, The message was seen by 23.97 million viewers, making it the second most watched broadcast this year. It's only just behind uh, one of the highest ever, which was the closing ceremony of the London 2012 Olympics. The Queen also said Ah. the UK will succeed in its fight against the coronavirus. And uh, speaking from Windsor Castle, the Queen said the pandemic was a different challenge compared to what the nation had faced before. The message ended with the words, we will meet again which was an apparent reference oh. to Dame Vera Lynn's bolstering war anthem, We'll Meet Again. Yeah, yeah I suppose it is. It sounds a bit sinister, but, you know. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. This was the only, only the fifth time the Queen has given a special address out with her usual Christmas message. The other ones were ah. uh, the Gulf War in 91, Diana in 97, uh, the eve of her mother's funeral in 2002 and the diamond jubilee in 2012 mm-hmm. and uh, the queen's message was pre-recorded by a single cameraman wearing protective equipment just thought you'd like to know that's no that's the important thing uh, how do we feel about who did her makeup though i presume she did the single cameraman <laughs> well emphasis on single no longer single james what what do you believe the place is? Or let me rephrase. Is there a place wow. for a message from the Queen to G up the British people? Now, put, putting aside yeah, yeah, our views on the monarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so while the monarchy is still established and generally less, they adored by the majority, begrudgingly, 
that's me begrudgingly saying it. Nobody that is an adoration of the queen is a begrudging of that adoration. But while the monarchy is a big established thing and they hold this big influence over people's day-to-day cultural life, which they do, yeah, this kind of address is going to help some people feel okay. It's going to help some people feel like the rules are important. It's going to help some people get through the lockdown a bit better. So it makes a lot of sense to do this. Um, even if for people like me, it is meaningless. But there's a lot of people out there who have a much greater attachment to the crown and who will be inspired by whatever she says. So yeah, great. Well done. Better than the letter that we all got sent. That was a waste of the Royal Mail. Yeah, I got that this week and basically it was saying everything that I've already heard. Yeah. So I was really unsure as to what the point of it was. I presume it's for people who fail to watch radio or TV. Because there are some people out there. Yeah, like maybe it was supposed to find those like few people who hadn't heard the rules yet. But with the way they were chatting about it, I, like it felt like this was supposed to be a, like a similar reason to the Queen doing their thing. This was supposed to be a strengthening action. The Prime Minister has written to you. Don't you feel important now? <laughs> nope. Obey the rules. I was just like, not really. This is clearly written a long time ago because, you know, he's in intensive care right now. <laughs> Uh, connected to that is the fact that people, some people, have been getting their coronavirus news from unreliable sources, and WhatsApp uh, yes. have stepped forward <laughs> to attempt to limit the spread of this fake news. So to do that, they've imposed a new limit on message forwarding on the app. So now people, yeah. instead of being able to for- forward a message to five people at the same time, you can only do it one at a time. And this gonna, is... It's- Flattening the curve. It's flattening the curve of misinformation. It's Absolutely. The it's flattening the flattening the, the fake news curve. The most <laughs> popular 5G. theory I keep seeing <laughs> is that 5G is either... There, there are two versions of this. The first one is 5G caused coronavirus, and now we're all being yeah. killed by 5G. Or the other one is coronavirus was essentially engineered so everybody can stay inside yeah. whilst these... <laughs> People install 5G across Britain. Yeah. <laughs> now, as akin to people who believe the Earth is flat, I'm very wary of giving airtime to these absolute morons, yeah, imbeciles, no, not, not worth it. stupid people who believe that this, this is, is a kind of. Ah. Yeah, this is the kind of view that just needs to be deplatformed. It's it's the kind of view. It's the people who would say, "Oh, if you go on a train at thirty miles an hour, your face is going to come off." That's the that is the yeah, the yeah, modern yeah, day yeah. equivalent of the people from a hundred years ago. Yeah, no, it's these kinds of things are are inevitable though, because everybody. And did I say inedible? Inevitable. I don't know. And and inedible. And inedible. Well. These kind of views are completely inedible. Um, but no, it's it's when everyone feels like they're so informed because they've got the internet and then they've got the fake informedness of Facebook and YouTube videos where you can feel like you're learning really important things, but you actually aren't really researching or, or learning. You're just getting told. And the important part about research and learning is like checking, you know, the counter argument as well. Yeah. Um, but when people have all of that, like, positive learning experience and all that great feeling of being knowledgeable of course they're going to share it and they're going to f- buy into it and then when when it gets called out as a lie it's too ingrained already so we forgot to talk about this last week i think where two 
like 5G poles got burned. It's more than two now. There's at least 20 different incidents. It's unreal. I don't know why, I don't know how it takes off that this needs to be done. Like we're saving the nation, stopping coronavirus because of like, because this map points out that in places where there's 5G, they're also more likely to have coronavirus. But you know, that's because that's where the people are. This is what all these maps are. All of the maps, all of the stats that all of these conspiracy theories use is just correlation. Yep. Here's the population basis. Here's the bad thing. Here's the thing that we think is causing the bad thing. All of these maps overlap. Therefore, it must be true. But it's like, sure. How about like pet dogs cause coronavirus or, or the use of toasters that yep. causes coronavirus? It's absolutely infuriating to the extent that I have essentially stopped using Twitter as much as I can, because the amount of ill-informed, just totally wrong people on there yeah. with spouting what they believe to be the truth yeah. is ridiculous. It's It genuinely hurts my brain. Yeah. As well as, for example, the fact that governments are now saying to the likes of Facebook and Instagram you, and Twitter, you need to take this content off the platform and to YouTube. You need to take it off. Yeah. But for people who believe these conspiracy theories, they just go elsewhere. these absolute loonball theories, they see this as, aha, we're correct. The government's trying to shut us we're, up. They're proving us right. There's a, it's a cover oh, up. Honestly, it absolutely, it's, it's one of the most infuriating things just that people believe things they saw in a meme, things they saw on a Facebook page, things they saw in a YouTube video that was made in Movie Maker. Oh, yeah. And that's what they say. This is what the truth is and nothing to do with what an actual scientist said. No, the scientist was paid by the UK government. The UK government have a cure for cancer. There's no told us. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's honestly, it's it's the one thing which really annoys me is just the amount of stupid people out there. Ah, <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, I yes. could, I could speak, I could... This is a, an episode of, of Cease Operate After Dark. Absolutely. People who believe conspiracy theories. If anybody out there believes in a conspiracy theory that they think is legitimate, please please do let us know, actually. Because so sometimes it's interesting. <laughs> right. But that's what people like. They like to find things to blame for problems that isn't just accident. Because it's, it's, not, it's not very easy to be angry at an accident in the same way that it's easy to be angry at an a insidious thing. So coronavirus... As much as people are trying to like lay blame here and there, mostly it's just an accident. A bunch of people doing a bunch of stupid things have led to everybody getting coronavirus. And the government all over the world responding poorly has led to even more people getting it. Um, so they want to find something to blame that is like a deliberate action rather than all these accidents because you want to take your anger out on something. You want to blame something. That's why you see all these... Um, parents who lose their young young kids trying to blame vaccines instead of whatever mistakes were made or whatever yep. accident accident happened, you know. It, it, it's pretty human nature to try and find things to blame. And it's a shame that the ease of information sharing has made it a lot more, let's say, contagious. Bef before we move um, on, there is one final point I'd like to make on this. And it's to do actually with the coronavirus vaccine whenever that uh, comes out. Because Donald Trump, with coronavirus. Donald Trump has long been essentially on the side, without explicitly saying it, on the side of the anti-vaxxers, of, of essentially warning. He said he's he's implied that vaccines cause autism. Yeah, yeah. So, so how is he, having said all these things, meant to convince? Americans, and there is a decent chunk of them who are anti-vaxxers. You know, we're talking tens of millions. We're talking percentages, yeah. Yeah. And it's like significant. How is he meant to convince people to take a vaccine 
After everything he said. Yeah. Um, he might not be able to. But the other good thing about Trump in this instance is that the people who believe in him will just believe anything he says. Unlike other countries where when the leaders say a thing, they might just be questioned as like some part of the conspiracy. When Donald Trump says stuff, his fan base will switch their minds straight away. Because um, when coronavirus was still just like not real and a hoax and whatnot, nobody took it seriously. But then when Trump started talking about how serious it was because it started impacting the stock market, of course, yep. um, more people just believed him. Because um, he has just this rabid fan base who will just turn their whole lives around to align themselves with whatever he says. Um, not that that's a good thing. It's a pretty bad thing, really. But in this one instance, it might help a little bit more of a convincing argument than um, he would have had otherwise. Talking of fake news, Jack Dorsey has apparently donated $1 billion dollars. Yeah. to fight against coronavirus. He says this is more than a quarter of his wealth. It's verging on nearly a third of his wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James, yeah. this story, there's more to it than meets the eye. Yeah, and it's hard to explain, especially for someone with a small brain like me. Uh, but basically, it's another case of rich person puts money from rich person areas into other rich person areas that are supposedly charitable so then they can get easy, easy tax times. That's the dumb person way to say it. Yeah, Thank no, you, everybody, for listening to my lecture. Whilst I think it's fantastic that people will be donating money to a very, very worthwhile cause and other people who are yeah. more rich than he is ought to sit up and take notice, it's, it's to me, a PR stunt dressed up as I'm doing a good thing. Yeah, it's the standard... He's done this before, even. He's, all, he's, he's done a couple of press releases about a big donation to this or that and um, donating a huge significant portion of his wealth to this or that. But what it is, is you set up a foundation that will slowly trickle money out as you advise it to. So you put a billion dollars worth of assets into this foundation and then you don't actually have to actively give that out to charity. It can just sit there. So he's actually given out $100,000 which is more than some people will do. It's more than I've done. But he says a billion. It just means he's moved it to somewhere that is ready to give to charity. He's not actually doing it yet. Yeah. And he might, and rich people have done this. There's a lot of foundations that do a lot of good work, but it's not costing him anything yet. And it is mostly just a way to use this to get a bit of, a bit of good PR. And I hope that he does a lot of good things with it. He is being a bit more transparent than other people because he's got a Google Doc up. Um, to show where the money is going from the foundation so we can watch that get filled in over time uh, to see where the money is ending up. But it's it's not a billion in one day. This is a, this is a long process and it also means that he's going to be able to not pay very much taxes for a while. A lot of these foundations end up helping the people that put money into them just get more money is the end result. Sir Keir Starmer is our new Labour leader in the UK, hey, James. Yay! What an unexpected surprise. So he won 56% of the votes, bringing an end to Jeremy Corbyn's tenure of nearly five years 
at the top of the party. Yeah, to the great glee of so many people. So Starmer won in the first round as the top choice of nearly oh, a million people. Quite a lot. Quite Labour a lot members. Yeah. He beat his uh, nearest rival, Rebecca Long-Bailey, uh, basically doubling what she got. Mm-hmm. And Lisa Nandy was uh, given 16% in the final leg of she the race. She had a bit of a surge. She did have a wee bit of a surge there. Good on her um, for having all the views that she has that it, nobody remembers. So it, it's too early to judge, of course, what Stormer's impact is going to be. But clearly, yeah. he yeah. was the majority choice. What mm-hmm. Looking back then five years of Corbyn actually does I failed to realise it was quite that long what is yeah, it's been what, what is the legacy that Corbyn has left on the political landscape of the UK yeah 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 so I see a lot of people are very keen to try to wipe Corbyn off now and just be like forget him everything was a failure he did fail to win two elections that's true I remember when he failed to win at the first election, people were calling it a win because of how well he did compared to uh, how, how well he was expected to do. But people are now calling that a loss because he's not, he's not so well liked anymore. But what he's done, uh, and it's the same thing as other more left-leaning leaders of parties have done in the past, is he has brought into the conversation a lot of topics and a lot of um, matters that are very important um, that would be ignored otherwise by leaders that are purely centrist or right-leaning. And he has made a great percentage of the population want to drive for these good things that are going to help yeah. um, the right people. And that's not going to go away. That legacy of a whole bunch of people realizing that, you know, having the ability to help people is really important that's going to stick around and Carbon's not going anywhere he can keep sharing that message until you know he um, disappears from the public eye um, so his legacy while within the party is uh, very divided because the party divided against him um, and he didn't apparently unite them hard enough I think nationally it's, it's, it's raised the number of people who want Corbyn's ideas to a huge, huge number. And we'll see if that decreases over time, if they'll be convinced again that just more bland politics is the way to go. Uh, But hopefully it has shifted things leftward because if you've only got centrists and right and right leaning folks, then the centre becomes kind of right leaning. What I'd add to that, because that was an excellent eulogy for Mr. Corbyn. He's still alive, by the way. Still alive. And he's still a politician. I would say he has energized a particular part of society into an interest in politics now whether that was ended up voting for labor or ended up going elsewhere they were certainly brought in or drawn in by some of what mr corbyn was saying you know the the fact that he was very clippable on social media he was Mm -hmm. he would say things even one to two second sound bites which would get enormous traction on Twitter or on TikTok. Yeah. He had that ability. He was certainly connected to certain younger yeah. affiliate groups. Things like he was very popular with LGBT groups, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And Sadly, most of the groups that he is popular with are people who don't actually vote. So, so it's yeah. Kinda, so bit of a shame. I, I'm unsure what Keir Starmer's Secure Starmer's impact will be. But certainly what Corbyn managed to do, from what I've seen, 
was get that engagement which prior yeah. Labour leaders and prior uh, Labour parties, even just politics generally, had failed to do. You know, the, the likes of, let's take Stormzy, for example, someone who is clearly a, a Corbyn fan, and simply by that affiliation were Stormzy's fans, who many of whom would be voting for the first time, were brought into politics by that affiliation. And Corbyn was very, very good at that. Yeah. He was, to me... The cards were, and very similar to Bernie Sanders, who we're going to talk about in a minute, the cards were very much stacked against him from the start because he was mm-hmm. an outsider, because he was different, because he wore an anorak to question time with the prime minister and he looked a bit silly and his tie was a bit aloof uh, or askew. And askew, <laughs> aloof. <laughs> had a very aloof tie. Yeah, his tie was just like so pretentious. <laughs> Sorry, his, his tie was a bit skew-if, I should say. Yeah, quite the opposite, yeah. And and so little things like that, and the fact that perhaps yeah. he was he was more of a, a journeyman in the, the world of politics and less of the yeah. showy, grandstandy prime minister material that the likes of Tony Blair was. Now, I, I understand that I was critical of Mr. Corbyn in the past because I never, I never did see him as prime minister material. However, he, I believe, will be missed. There will be parts of his leadership which will be missed of course labor party members i'm sure would just would disagree because a lot Certain of them ones, yeah. a lot of them were very vocal against him in, in opposition to mr corbyn or the positions yeah. he took he of course yeah. made mistakes there are things that he mishandled do, and got yeah. wrong but i do believe he had a positive impact on the whole yeah. on british politics oh yeah no corbyn was a good man and a politician who is passionate about the about the things that he believes are right, uh, the big failing is that he didn't have the strength of backing within his own party to sound reasonable. So because he had so much, much of his own party wanting to get rid of him from day one right through to the end, he never sounded credible because he had to just rely on a small number of his close allies and close friends to do all the work and everybody else wouldn't really do the work. And it's at that point just a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, Corbyn's not strong enough to lead the nation, said his own party. So of course the nation went, all right, we won't vote for you then. Uh, and there's a whole lot of mistakes that he made, like all this focusing on getting the Labour Party in Scotland propped up again when they should just ignore Scotland right now because we're inevitably going to be an SNP region for a long while. A long time. Um, losing the workers' votes because, well, you can't really control that because the media called him a Marxist and the working class doesn't like Marxists because there was terrorism, I guess, a long time ago. Hard to tell, really. Um there was a lot of mistakes. The biggest of all the mistakes was agreeing to an election when all the stats and all the behind-the-scenes people were saying, you will lose. Yeah. And that's it. He lost. He should never have agreed. He, uh, he would have continued to be the most successful leader of the opposition since, and be, since um, I don't even know, because he's better than Thatcher was. He's had, he's had, he's, he is probably the most successful leader of the opposition ever, but, you know, I'm not going to try and claim that Yeah, I would, I would, maybe that's maybe a step too far. But no, like in terms of like holding the government accountable to stuff, getting votes, getting the votes at the floor, he's he's successfully okay. defeated the government more times than Thatcher did while she was in the opposition. Right, well, and I'll, she was, I'll take that. Yeah, she was commonly seen as the most successful leader of the opposition. Um, but no, Labour aren't going to win while the people on the right wing of the spectrum in this country are united, which they were, 
um, even though you could pretend it to not be united uh, and the people on the left in this country are not. And especially while we've got first past the post, which Labour should start pushing to change now. Well, it has been a bad week for ageing politicians with younger fan bases because Bernie Sanders has ended yes, his presidential yes. campaign clearing the way for former Vice President Joe Biden oh, yeah. to become the Democratic Party's nominee yeah. to face off against Trump in the apparent November election. Of course, too early to say if that's actually going to happen. Yeah. So Mr. Sanders, who is 78, told supporters on Wednesday that he saw no feasible path to get enough votes to win the nomination. Now, he was an early front runner. He had a lot of success with younger voters, but in recent weeks had slipped behind Mr. Biden and, crucially, was the loser to Mr. Biden when it came to Super Tuesday. Yeah, and ever since, really. So he had, of course, Mr. Sanders had sought the Democratic nomination in 2016, which he lost to Hillary Clinton. He had won endorsements from celebs all over the spectrum of arts and music. Uh, Dick Van Dyke, Cardi B, Ariana Grande, Mark Ruffalo, the likes of them. Danny DeVito. Never forget Danny DeVito. The main issue I believe Sanders had was he failed to win key African-American voters across southern states who largely went for Mr. Biden. James. Yes. This is 2-0 in the wrong category for for Mr. Sanders. By the time the next election comes around, he'll be 82. Is this the end of Bernie? He... Went at the right time. He wouldn't have had the support he needed any other years. Um, but surely he doesn't try again. He can't he can't go through, you know. Um he might try to go as an independent, you know, but I I doubt he'd want to try because, you know, he is getting old. Um and we're now left with two um old men of decreasing health. Yeah, on and decreasing mental aptitude. On that point, I I saw a couple of posts on Twitter, people saying that if you're a Democrat or if you support the Democrats, but you dislike Joe Biden, you should still vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. What do you think about that? Kind of agree in the most part because whoever the next president is is going to probably be able to make. I think it's two appointments to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And, and that Which was that was already, the point that the Twitter person was making was this is vital. Yeah, because it is already stacked towards the Republican side, and they're already trying to do damage to a lot of things that are pretty good to the majority of people in America right now. Yeah. So if they got two more appointments, you're talking like a generation of just Republican laws, and that's it. No one else is going to get a word in. Um, and you can also by voting, you take part in the vote and you get the Senate. Um, vote as well so you can switch people within the senate to be on your preferred side um so as as much as i don't like biden and i think the accusations especially that are coming out against him are probably more than credible and the silence from certain um people who used to be loudly members of the me too movement that are now saying that we allegations against biden aren't something to be concerned about uh, you know, he's just an establishment candidate. I don't like him. He's not got good policies. He's preaching some left-wing talking points, but he's not left-wing. Much like Starmer has said a lot of left-wing promises, it's only once he's got any power that we can find out 
if he's really left wing. Biden has had power before, and he's done such things as remo- as trying to reduce social security and trying to remove welfare and voting for wars and stuff like that. So we know Biden isn't really left wing, no matter what he says. He wants the insurance, the health insurance companies, to be making a profit off the poor. He likes all these things because the people that that donate to him want that. Um, he's not good, but he's also probably going to die in like a year. <laughs> he's he's he said as much himself that whoever is his vice president is going to have to step up pretty soon. Wow, he's I'm pretty sure Biden's plan is to win and quit within a year. Um, win and die, win and die. Even like he's deteriorating, um, and all it is is he he has to run this campaign of silence because he can't talk for more than ten minutes without flubbing, and when he flubs, it's embarrassing. When Trump flubs, people like him even more. Um, but Biden's getting angry at his voters. He's getting angry at people and telling them to vote Republican if they don't like him. He's making all the mistakes and we're not even near the race. What am I, I can't imagine what he's going to be like on an exhausting race. Um, so getting Trump out is important. Um, voting for Biden, he's probably going to quit anyway. If he doesn't, hopefully enough of the senators that get voted in will be actually good people um, and they'll actually legislate well. But it's all about who he's who he calls for VP and who he's putting in his um, supposed table to come, which he's not supposed to be promising yet, but he has been. So I don't know. It's it's scary either way because we're seeing what's been going on with coronavirus in America and how the healthcare industry there was way worse than most other places are, and the leadership there is was way worse than most other places are, and Biden's still talking about nah. Our healthcare systems probably doesn't need to be very changed very much at all. It's good. The important thing for Bernie is that he, like like Corbyn, has shifted the conversation of it because thirty years ago in America, um, Obamacare, as it's called, wasn't a radical leftist thing, but now it is because the Republicans have shifted the conversation so far. So Bernie bringing that back uh, a wee bit is great. Because just talking about things and making them an issue and keeping it in people's minds is very important. Um, even if Biden wins, the left should still be asking for more and more stuff. Uh, because the things they ask for are generally not crazy and generally pretty good and also generally not radical. Corbyn and, and Bernie made this big mistake of calling all their policies radical when it was like very normal stuff. Nothing really radical about, you know, infrastructure owned by the people because we all use it and because we all need it. Nothing really radical about healthcare for everybody, but we call it radical in the hopes that it gets people riled up, but just call it normal and then you'll get the normal people's votes. <laughs> anyway, I, don't, I think the original question was should we vote for Biden? So uh, if you listened to my essay, thanks. Yeah, that was four and a half minutes. <laughs> I, get, I, I am really passionate about this one. Like all this, all this, all these centrists coming out and just talking about how we need to cooperate with the right and and uh, make agreements with the right. That just moves politics more and more right all the time. If you always compromise with the people who have really right-wing views, the new center becomes right-wing. So on, so on, so on. Okay, let's talk about some reviews, what we've been watching, what we've been doing over the last week. And we're going to start with an audio review from a listener. Yay! Hopefully shorter than my rants. Izzy, thank you so much for sending in this review of Doctor Who, the, the latest season. Without any further ado, yeah. let's hear from Izzy. Ever since Doctor Who was rebooted in 2005, I have watched every single episode at least once. Let me start by saying I tried really hard to like season 11, which was the first outing of the new Doctor, Jodie Whittaker. 
I liked the initial episodes, but struggled with the rest. Standalone episodes were difficult to get into, some felt more like a history lesson, and there wasn't the usual narrative and strong character arcs that I'd been expecting. Therefore, I was hoping season 12 would be different, and thankfully, I was not disappointed. Season 12 showed a Doctor with more personality, a closer look at her history and many dark moments and impossible choices. There were old and new monsters, return of old friends, and much more characterisation of the Doctor's three companions. Best of all, the season spun out a series-long mystery that was finally revealed in the series finale. Not every episode was brilliant, I didn't love all of them, but the surprises, the revelations and the mysteries made this season an incredible one. I'm really hoping the festive episode falls in the same footsteps. Small disclaimer, these are entirely my own views. Please don't come and shout at me on Twitter. Okay, don't shout at Izzy on Twitter. Yeah, but, Thank but, you so much, by the way. you can get shouted at on Twitter for your own views, just throwing that out there. It's not, not the safest the, disclaimer there. It's it's fine because, you know, Cease Operate is all about opinions and Shout at us. Absolutely. The it's the most interesting thing I've I would say about Doctor Who is that the last Doctor Who I ever saw was the episode in which Matt Smith left. Mm-hmm. Yet to see anything of the new seasons, even with Peter Capaldi. Yeah. This to me does sound interesting enough though to warrant checking out. It sounded better than previous seasons have been. I watched a few Capaldi's and there were some big gems in there. I did like quite a lot of the episodes, but I think the more Doctor Who has gone on, the bigger the budget gets, but the bigger the CGI budget doesn't get and they keep getting more ambitious and the more stuff that was just pure CGI, the worse it got for me. I couldn't enjoy it. I I really liked it back in the day where everything just felt a bit cheap and a bit fake and you could tell, but they didn't care because the stories were good, their characters were good. But then they started depending more and more on just flair and CGI and big moments, and I was like, it's less keen for me. James, what have you been watching this week? Still haven't finished anything. As I say, I got evicted from my room. Oh, man. Uh, I, I haven't been able to watch Better Call Saul. Huh. I should just watch it on my PC, but it doesn't feel the same. Uh, so no, I've been watching I've been watching a, a excellent anime called Banana Fish. I got three episodes left. I was going to watch them today, but work, work, work kept on going, so I didn't watch them yet. Um, but I highly recommend that one. It is actually on Amazon Prime, and I've been watching a couple of still some Star Wars shows in general. There's nice Star Wars Rebels, The Clone Wars, and Mandalorian, and I like them all, even though two of them are kids' shows. <laughs> they're like they're like the kind of kids' shows that have that have good stories and are well done. They're the they're the Kubo and the two strings of the Star Wars worlds. Ah, that's a good comparison, James. I have finished Community season one. Hey, I can see, I can understand why this show has a cult following. Yeah, yeah. It is from my observations of season one are really enjoy the show. It's got a lot of laugh out loud mm-hmm. moments, which other similar sitcoms would perhaps only raise a wry smile. Mm-hmm. Something like Modern Family, which is a safer version, I'd say, of Community. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, obviously some different storytelling tropes as well. However, Modern Family is the kind of sitcom which I enjoy, but very, very rarely, if ever, gets a laugh-out-loud laugh from me. Yeah. Community is is the opposite. It's usually every episode will get something. Some big laugh, a, a for cu- sure. A couple observations from, from the season. Episode 23... Of the first season, which is about paintball. Oh, the paintball episode. Is one of the greatest episodes of TV I've ever seen. Yeah. It is absolutely astonishing. 
And it's because it clearly the filmmakers, the editors, the actors are just having the best time mm-hmm. sticking all this together. Mm-hmm. It is a, a pastiche of Rambo, of Predator, of Terminator, of... I mean, some of the scenes just had me in absolute stitches. Yeah. And it's so well done. And the whole thing is about a paintball fight. Yeah, it's crazy. It's got references to Scarface, to 28 Days Later. There's a Book of Eli reference in there. There's, you know, a character quoting Bible verses as she executes people. (laughs) (laughs) It's honestly, some of the stuff is just brilliant. That episode, to me is the standout. I would be delighted to go back and watch it again. I may well do. A couple more thoughts on this. I um, I knew this before I started watching it, but I realise most of the season is directed by the Russo brothers. Mm-hmm. The Russo brothers who then went on to do everything big that the Avengers and Marvel ever ever yeah, done. which is why everybody from Community has been an extra in right. Marvel. So now I'm beginning to realise that all these <laughs> Marvel uh, cameos, so many of them are connected to Community. Because yeah, there's, so, there's loads. Because the Russo brothers did Civil War and then the Russo brothers did infinity war and then Endgame, yeah and obviously did it so so well and there's elements of the way that they've directed community that i can see in the marvel films they did mm-hmm. and particularly in this paintball episode because obviously it's so action heavy mm-hmm. but honestly they've just clearly just having the best time i absolutely love that yeah. episode the ca- final thought from me oh, final yeah. thought from me the character that Chevy Chase plays, Pierce Hawthorne, mm-hmm. I can, he is already, similarly to Michael Scott, he is already on getting on my nerves. And I was reading about, you know, comments he would make on set, times he walked off set, racist things he said to Donald Glover. I just don't like him. I do not like him or the character he's playing. I don't like him at all as a person. The, the, yeah. So the character was designed pretty well. Yep. Um, and then... He was the worst person ever, so they slowly butchered the character more and more and more and more and made it horrible for him. Um, And you can kind of tell. Yeah, so Community Season 1 to 6 is on Netflix. I believe the best episodes are in Season 1 to 3. I'll see how far I go. I'll definitely definitely be watching Season 2. I'll just keep on going, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll see after that. Donald Glover, I know, leaves at some point. Yeah, not to be too spoilerful, but there are lots of thematic episodes. Episodes that get this non-sitcom theme. And they are, yeah. there are so many of those that are just astounding television, really clever, really well done. Um, so, like, I, I could watch this over and over and over. It's up there with Arrested Development in terms of the shows that I can watch endlessly. I like, I like both of these more than I like The Office. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'd take Community over The Office. I would. Yeah. Yep. As much as I'm sure somebody out there is really angry now. I'm sure they are. Okay, let's uh, finish up. One last thing I've been doing, which is playing a game, James. I'm going to review <gasps> a game. You're going to do a game review? Yeah, man. So Ooh. I bought PS4 because that's... Everybody's bought consoles. That's what's happened. Consoles are all selling And out. at the moment, the, the, the big game of the moment is Call of Duty Warzone, which is a free-to-play... Ah, the free-to-play one. Battle Royale game. It's essentially Fortnite except with Call of Duty controls mm-hmm. and with the, the regular soothing Call of Duty aesthetics. Very, so, very, very well done aesthetically. Pr- precisely. So what the concept is, basically, there is a team of four of you and you all get, you're on a big plane and you all jump out the plane on a giant map and it's last man standing or last team standing yeah. as the map grows ever smaller because there's, there's poisonous gas on the way. 
Ah, which yes, the gas is going to get you. Which is exactly the the concept of Fortnite, except Fortnite, there's a ring of fire. Yeah, and Fortnite's the exact concept of whatever the DayZ spinoff was, which is yeah. the exact concept of whatever the Minecraft mod was. Like, this is an established thing. Yeah, so, and the Minecraft mod is an exact ripoff. Oh, wait, what's the... Oh, yeah, Battle Royale, the <laughs> film. <laughs> So it is a, there's a very much a Hunger Games element. There is, you know, loot to be got. There is weapons to be got. There's all sorts of things. Uh, yeah. The map itself is modelled on the Ukrainian city of Donetsk. So there's, mm-hmm. a, you know, stadium, train stations, airports. And it is a very, very enjoyable game. The only mm-hmm. challenge is, if, like me, you are terrible, you die a lot. And yeah. the only time I've managed to get to the, the final, I think, seven... Final seven teams, or the final three teams, three was perhaps the best I got to, was because I hid. I hid in a bush. Yeah, you hide, you don't do stuff, and then you... I I killed precisely nobody and just hid in a bush until the very end. Yeah, and then then it's still embarrassing because you actually didn't do a good job. You just didn't get killed very quick. Yeah, but if you're here, if if you've got a PS4 or a PC and you're looking for a way past the time, there are worse things to do. This is a good, fun game. I'm going to come in here with a suggestion for a battle royale game that I enjoyed far more than all of the above. Uh, it's called Bean Battles. Bean Battles. And it is it is one of the worst games ever, but it's also the best game ever. It's a battle royale game where you're a bean and you're just killing other beans of all the aforementioned weapons. Um, it costs 79 pence currently on, on Steam, on wow. PC. Um, so not free, not as, not as cheap as the other ones. Uh, but it's just, it's not trying so hard. It's not trying to be polished. It's not trying to be epic and addictive and memorable. It's just dumb and it's poorly made, but it's really fun. So I've played that a few times. It's great. James, time has truly departed us. This oh, wow, yeah. may be the longest Seesaw Parade episode in history. Oh man, in the longest season <laughs> ever. Is, shall we change up the way we, we end the show? Uh, I've got yeah. I've been feeling too much pressure to think of somebody to say goodbye to uh, in that accidental outro <laughs> habit that I picked up. Yep. Like we could just do a hard cut, but I feel like that's that's not the nicest thing in the world. Well, should we should we just like for for this week just say thanks for listening and then we'll end it. And that's that's the end. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so we'll just say thanks for listening and then and then we'll call it. Okay. Shall we try and say it together? Let's let's say it together. <laughs> let's let's right. like Abed and Troy in the morning. Let's uh, say this at the same time. Ready? Three, two, one. Thanks, Thanks. for listening. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> no, this is terrible. This is awful. James, bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll work on that for next week.